Welcome back to another episode of the Rally Cap Podcast. No, no S. S. No S, no S. Uh, Today's podcast is sponsored by Deviated Existence Lifestyle Brand, built by professional players, made for those chasing a dream. Go follow at Deviate-X, that's D-V-8 as the number, X on Instagram and grab some Deviate Existence gear. You can use the discount code. We got one of those. We got a discount code. We got a discount code. We got a discount code. You can use the discount code, the rally cap 15 at checkout for 15% off your order today. Rally cap one five. It's got no S in it. No S. No S. But it does have a one five. Five can be mistaken for an S. It can be mistaken for an S. It's rally cap one five. Go put it in. Go get you some really cool gear. They got some good hats, good shirts. I really like the guy. He's an awesome dude. Um, Started this really cool company. I mean... It's a baseball brand, but it's all about like improving your lifestyle. So I think it's a really cool, uh, really awesome company, and I think it's something you guys should support. Should support, Whoa. and you can also support us by, by using, using the promo the code. Promo code. Let's you go. Can do them both. Uh, go to their website. It's uh, dv8x dv the number eight x dot com. Uh, today we got Andy Tolkien on the show. Uh, played at Mizzou, was playing pro ball right now. He went to St. John's River in played conference with us. It was awesome to talk to. A uh, really good dude, and, and it was a great time. Yeah, I built a relationship with Andy just playing with him uh, and against him more so than anything. I've towed it up against him a couple times. Um, he's a tough dude, plays with a lot of passion, and uh, I, th- I think you're going to really enjoy what he has to say. All right, let's roll into the episode. Intro and outro for later. Uh, I mean, we can just get rolling. Uh, so basically... The way it works, Andy, what we're trying to do is we're just trying to get like your story, how you got recruited, um, like your uh, outlook and experiences in junior college, and then your outlook and experiences at Mizzou, and then like draft, and just kind of like the whole shebang is what we're going to go through, and we'll go start to finish from high school all the way through the end. Sound good? All right. That sounds good to me. Beautiful. So, all right. Well, anyways, um, Andy, good to talk to you again, man. It's been a while. I know... uh, Pitching against you in junior college was not one of my favorite things. Um, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about high school, man. Tell us, uh, tell us how you got recruited, how you ended up at um, <clears throat> St. John's, and and kind of your story and how you got going. Yeah, so in high school, I went to I went to Fleming Island High School my freshman year, uh, played JV there, and then most of my friends uh, went to Clay High School, which was our rival high school across the uh, across the bridge. So uh ended up making that switch sophomore year and then actually played JV most of the year sophomore year again. I was uh I was probably the smallest one on the team there and uh or one of. So played soft or uh played JV most of sophomore year, came up for the playoffs. Um I actually had one of the most memorable hits in school history probably as a sophomore. Um So we were real quick, the, let's clarify you're a pitcher. So yes, now now I am a pitcher. Now big time PO, back, one of the most back, memorable hits. Back then I could swing a little bit. So uh, so it was our it was in the third round I think to go to the Elite Eight game and zero zero game. We had Dane Dunning on the mound. If you guys know who that is, first rounder. Oh yeah. So yeah, our high school was pretty loaded. So uh, so we get up in the bottom of the tenth or something like that. Zero zero game. Dane's giving up one hit. The other guy's giving up maybe two hits just back and forth battle pitching pitching battle all night so i remember i was in the dugout and i was like uh i was like you guys want to go home now and they're like i was like they're like you won't hit one i was like so i went up there smallest no guy 
smallest guy in the field probably hit a walk off walk off home run <laughs> to uh, advance us to the next round. Uh, that year we ended up going to the final four and uh, lost in the final four. But after that, then played uh, two years of varsity there and uh, had two really good years and then ended up going to St. John's out of there. And that story is pretty crazy how uh, ended up at St. John's. Not really crazy, but um, a lot different than how kids back then would uh, commit to school. So, so you, you, you came from a pretty tough high school, you, JV for two years. Most guys that we talk to, it's usually varsity for four years. So Fleming High School or – Fleming High School, right? Is that correct? Yeah, Fleming, Fleming Island was the that was my the school I went to freshman year. I went ended up going to Clay High for three years. Name dropping Trey Hester. Okay, yep. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We played with him at Daytona, but so kind of before before you go into how you got recruited to St. John's, kind of how how did you go about it starting your recruiting process, knowing that you were on JV for two years and you still had to earn a spot on varsity coming into your junior junior and senior year. Uh, how did you go about that? Uh, so, like I said, transferred over high schools uh, sophomore year. Knew most of those guys. Knew the coaches there. Um, I knew, I knew I was good enough to play varsity, but for some reason, I just didn't that year. So, I mean, I could have let it get to me and be like, "Oh well, the game's not for me." But uh, ended up just doing what I needed to do to uh, come back, and then junior year ended up. Uh, uh, pitched a little bit. We had, my junior year, we also had Dane Dunning was a senior that year, so our pitching staff was pretty loaded. We also had Hunter Alexander, so he ended up going to Florida and then came over to St. John's with us and then Bama, but them two were our main pitchers, and then there was me, and then I just played pretty much any position that was open on the field, but uh, basically a utility guy back in the day, and then senior year hit, and then – started throwing harder and got a little bigger, hit a big growth spurt in the senior year. So I'd say that's what really started the uh, the recruiting process for me was early, late junior year, early senior year. So even with, uh, you know, growing, obviously, was there anything that you did different um, off the field to, to start gaining more velo, um, throwing harder, things of like that? Um, what, what did you do off the field? Mm, I think it would just be like growing into my body, um back then like i said i wasn't wasn't the biggest kid so uh i wasn't wasn't huge into weightlifting back then wasn't huge into plyo balls or any of that stuff like baby god yeah god given and uh eating a lot of food and putting some weight on and then ended up catching up to me so couldn't happen at a better time yeah speaking of putting weight on swiz is kind of putting a little on (laughs) Uh, guys, I'm got him, now. guys go rocking a gut. So, come on, uh, man. I mean, come on. <laughs> Yikes. Anyways, um, so did you play summer ball? Did you play fupa. summer ball for anybody in high school? It's a fupa. Uh, yeah, in high school I played summer ball for um, Next Level Baseball out of Tallahassee. Yeah. I think my senior year we ended up sixth in the nation. So No doubt. So we, did had, they we had a pretty you, good squad there. Did, did they help you get seen by St. John's? Or tell us a little bit about how you went to St. John's. You said it was kind of a crazy story. Yeah, uh, not so much crazy, but uh, stuff that happened after. So I remember, so my high school is probably 30 minutes from St. John's. So the coaches there would always come watch us play. And then I remember um, one of our preseason games, we actually play there at the uh, at the field. So got some exposure from that. And then talking to the recruiting coordinator there at the time was Will Coggin. And 
we ended up talking. We talked for a couple months, close to a year, and then I think I committed actually while while I was playing for Next Level. Um, during I think it was it was during my senior year, probably right before the season started. I wanted to make sure I got it out of the way, so there were no distractions for the year. But uh, late late in that summer, for uh, after senior year, going into freshman year. We were playing for next level, and we had a tournament up in East Cobb. And I remember I was pitching against the Evo Shield Canes and threw, like, five scoreless with, like, six Ks or something. And I remember Florida State called after the game, and they were like, we want to offer you our last roster spot. So going up in Florida, any kid's dream is to play at Florida, Florida State. So Florida State was my dream school back then, and I was As just like – it should like, be everybody's dream school, Oh, my God. Honest. Gage played there. If you don't know. <laughs> he didn't really play. He sat the bench. Oh, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> So uh, so they call it after the game. They're like, we want to give you our last roster spot. So kid like me is stuck in that shoes a month before school starts. And it's just like, do I go to my dream school or stick it out and take the JUCO route? So I'd say I picked the right route uh, if I tell anybody that story. So it ended up paying out for me. So glad what, it happened. Though. What was the deciding factor between – uh, roster spot at Florida State, and I'm going to go to St. John's River. What was the deciding factor between those two? Because you're looking at two totally different, like, uh, yeah, I mean, you Way got St. John's in Palatka, Florida, which <laughs> is in the middle nowhere, of nowhere. Florida. I mean, Absolutely. middle of nowhere. Or you have Tallahassee, which is probably the greatest city in the country, <laughs> it's if a, not I would in say the world. I would say very good uh, college <laughs> town, below average city. Great, great college town. Uh, Absolutely. So, what was so what's the reasoning that you decided to go to St. John's River over Tal? Uh, sorry, FSU. The yeah. So it honestly wasn't a hard decision for me. Um, I was going to St. John's to be a two-way guy, um, and I knew I didn't want to give that dream up yet of still swinging it a little bit. So, and I knew if I went to Florida State, the whole uh, last roster spot, you might get redshirted, have to sit out a year, do all that, which everyone knows is not fun because you obviously want to play right away. So. Probably the uh, playing right away and knowing I would get on the field and show what I could do for two years there instead of going to Florida State and sitting, basically. So besides St. John's uh, offering you, and I know you said you wanted to to, to, keep, to to commit early to keep distractions out of the way, um, what, I mean, did you have any other D1 offers out of high school? Did, did things come up to you? Did you have more JUCO offers or was it just St. John's and you just jumped on it? Uh, I wouldn't, I didn't jump on it. I think my first, first ever offer was Flagler College, which was a D2 school down in St. Augustine. And after that, I think most of the JUCO started rolling in, um, Lake Sumter, FSCJ. I don't know if Daytona did, but I just know most of the Florida JUCOs reached out a couple of small schools in Georgia, but there was nothing, nothing big out of high school. Nothing, nothing at all. Which is kind of a cool story. That's just a cool story in itself that you didn't have. Crazy story. Yeah, you didn't have those big-time offers out of high school turn around two years later after St. John's, and now you're at Mizzou, which I think is kind of cool. I also think it's something that a lot of people don't, or I guess they underestimate is the value of playing time. Um, Being Mm -hmm. able to go someplace and get on the yard right away and make an impact on that team, like there's something to be said for that. Um, And if that means junior college where you're going to go make an impact on that team and then have a chance to go someplace else. I think a lot of people overlook that to try to go to, you know, that D2, that D1 school at a four-year university. Yeah, absolutely. I think people get caught up in that uh, D1 title that 
if they're gonna go D one that they gotta be they have to go D one. Like that's the only thing their mind's set on and a lot of people don't realize there's a lot of different routes to uh get where you wanna be. No yeah. doubt. So so take us through St. John's. You you get to St. John's, talk us talk to us about the coaches, the team culture, the players, um and, and the whole situation, uh being in Palaka, Florida. Uh so I mean, if anyone knows anything about Palaka, probably the the nicest thing in town is a Chili's, uh, <laughs> which I would even call it downtown Flacco. Wait, you guys have a Chili's? I've I think they just—I've only seen a Wendy's. I think they just got a Zaxby's too, so that place is moving up. <laughs> yeah, Ch- Chili's and Zaxby's was the uh, the main hangouts there, but uh, no, it was good. Uh, have not having a lot of stuff to do around there really made the team uh, stronger. We all lived pretty much in houses across the town um, or apartment complex right across the street. So, I mean. Every chance we get, all the guys were together, uh, just hanging out in study hall or hanging out at one of the guys' houses or apartments. So and there's probably a lot of limited distractions because I heard all the girls in Palaka have three teeth and two of them stay in their pocket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you're not lying about that. We got a thing called, <laughs> oh called Palaka goggles. <laughs> that's right. Closet. That's right. They're so... uh, they're twos and they're tens in Palaka. They're twos everywhere else. <laughs> Um, so, so tell us about, talk to us about the coaching staff. I know, I think you were there with Ross and you were there with Corey as well. Um, mm-hmm. talk Coggin, to us about, right? yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, were you there with so, Joe Pound too or no? No, no. He was no. the year after. Okay. So yeah. Tell, talk so, to us about that and kind of, uh, and kind of what they did to help you to get to Mizzou and, and how they helped you on the field while you're at St. John's. Yeah. So. So my first year there, I was I was one of the starting pitchers, and I would play first base um, probably twice a week. If that, I get some pinch pinch abs every now and then, uh, the guy in front of me ended up being an All American, and now plays for the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. So couldn't get any abs uh, following that. Um, but freshman year, we had Ross was our head coach, awesome awesome guy, love him to death, and. Recruiting coordinator Will Coggin, he's now at Kentucky, and then uh, Corey wasn't there yet, and we had a pitching coach, Mike Renner, um, but freshman year, I just remember I was pitching a lot, and nothing, I didn't really get any, no, I mean, no offers came after my freshman year, because most of the times, JUCO, you stay two years, and then you transfer out, so going into sophomore year we do this thing called the sophomore showcase and i remember i had a couple again a couple small schools this is before the season started in the fall a couple small schools every now and then talking to me and then after the sophomore showcase or whatever um nc state calls me right after it actually and talking about how they want to give me an offer and then probably a couple of days after that mizzou calls and the recruiting coordinator there is like, we want to get you on a visit, come up here. So set both of my visits up back to back to Mizzou and then NC state. And then the rest is history from there. And that's, it's, it's kind of crazy how it works there. I think I remember, I think you drilled me one time my freshman year. I'm not, I don't remember for sure. Um, I hit a lot of people, but like you guys, you guys had such an amazing team. My, my freshman year, I believe it was your sophomore year. Um, I know you had like Nick Owen at shortstop between Hunter Alexander. You, you guys had a squad. I think Coing was in the outfield, Roman out there. We're playing third at the time. I don't know, but mm-hmm. kind of take us of of you know what your when you go to game day for you, kind of what your mentality and what you what you had to do to go into the game to prepare yourself. 
Uh, yeah. So, I mean, every game was a different mentality depending on if I was starting that day, if I knew it was the day after my start and I wasn't going to be doing anything, or if it was two days after my start and I knew I could possibly get in there to hit some. So it was, I mean, it was tough going into every day because I didn't know what my role was for that day unless I was pitching. So, um, but I knew if I was pitching, I had a pretty good routine of what I would do. But then other than that, if I was hitting, I mean, I just had to be ready at all times. So there was never really a game or a morning where I woke up where I was like, oh, I'm not doing anything today. So I always had to stay prepared. Yeah, it's a little bit different mindset whenever you're doing two roles on a team. Um, I remember I remember pitching against you at St. John's. I think you and I towed it up um, one game. I think we're probably in – it might have been the sixth or seventh inning. Um, and I remember – somebody fisting one off of you into left center, um, kind of a jam shot, guy scores, and you punch the ground as that ball hits <laughs> in the outfield. I see him punch the ground, and so, and which is a funny story, but I say that to ask, talk, if you can, talk a little bit about like your mindset when you're on the bump. I want to know where the fire comes from, why it's there. Like, give, me, give me like some insight into the mind of Andy. What do you got? So back then, back in junior college, I'd say I pitched with a lot of emotion. I would bounce the ball off the rubber, like you said, punch the ground. I remember that. I remember I would look into, <laughs> I'd look into other teams' dugouts and like funny gestures. Uh, but I just knew um, once I got older and matured a little bit, I just knew that's not that's not how you play the game. But uh, I mean, you obviously want to pitch with emotion and all that, but you don't want to show it show it like i used to just back a in the typical day, juco bandit sure yeah but I mean, there's absolutely some, there's some i think there's some goodness to that though to to show like i guess how much you care even just a fister where you're like ah, that's not even on me i threw a good pitch and it yeah. still lands and you're still mad i think that like that shows what kind of player you are where it's, it's not like, that he's pissed it's that he's passionate he's just passionate yeah, yeah, yeah I think it's, that's pa- a big it's passionate thing. and um, back then i mean back then we're young i mean junior college or what 18 19 20 years old so i mean you still you still haven't found your body in a sense of what you're doing out there so i say it's mostly it's mostly passion and then once you get a feel for what you're doing out there you kind of let the game not speed up on you and do all that stuff and the you know the stage is different and you're also you walk on the mound and you're you know cock of the walk you're the best guy out there so of the walk you never heard that no well you ain't been around chickens then um (laughs) Yeah, you're the, you're the man in a junior college, so you kind of have a sense of like nobody's gonna beat me today. When you get oh on the yeah, ball. that's in junior college, I would go out there and there's not a time where I took them out and said there's no one on this team so, that's gonna beat me because yeah. I thought I was the best back then and played Absolutely. with a little chip on my shoulder. Absolutely. So like if you think about all the other guys we've talked to on this show, including you, Andy, every single one of these guys to a certain degree have a fuck you mentality. Absolutely. To a certain degree, yeah. it, it's a mentality of like, I'm going to go out there and I don't give a shit what happens. I'm just going to pound the zone and get people out. And I yeah, think and that's I, what a lot, uh, I think Juco is, I don't want to say frowned upon or not frowned upon, but it's it's shown as it's just this, you know, prissy league where, you know, guys who aren't good enough go there. But no, like these are guys who are bulldogs that'll go get a job done. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. I think they should make a reality show about juco baseball like <laughs> screw last chance like they're doing football. with the last chance yeah the and last chance you that they need to go to a juco for baseball because 
people do. They just think it's well. If they, they go to Chipola, baseball and all that. Chipola, Chipola, Chipola might not have a baseball team anymore. Yeah, they might. Yeah, that's, it, that's a little different. Chipola but I mean, if you go to any of these like Spanish-speaking countries, anyway. Yeah, but I mean, if you, I mean, if anyone's ever been to a JUCO, you got your locker rooms not the best. Your our locker room wasn't even at our field. It was way ways from it. I mean. Usually don't have the best fields. The mountains I can't are lie, though. You guys had a pretty holy. nice little indoor facility at St. John's. Yeah. Well, we had a nice happened. little setup where we were. But, I mean, I mean, if you get out of Florida for anywhere where Juco baseball is not, I wouldn't say Florida is the best, but I'd say it's up there. But, I mean, the men, or not the mentality, but the perception people have on it is just not the best. But, in my opinion, it was some of the toughest competition I faced. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, I mean, junior college is a different beast, man. See, that's but. another thing. Like, he just said this kid plays pro ball, played in the SEC, and goes, yeah, Juco is probably the toughest, one of the toughest competitions I faced. It is. That's yeah, nuts. That's you face nuts. Some, I mean, it's a di- like I said, it's a different beast. You face some different guys. But enough about Everyone junior. has that junkyard mentality in Juco. Juco bandits. That's right. <laughs> that's right. But enough about junior college. Everybody's saying, engage, move on to Mizzou, move on to Mizzou. Nobody's Everybody's saying that. saying, so we got to move on <laughs> to Mizzou. Let's talk a little bit about Mizzou. Give me, like, some insight. Your first time on campus, what are you seeing? What's it look like? Um, where are you living? What are you eating? Like, give me, give me the rundown. So my first time on campus, I was overwhelmed through the roof. I remember – after after St. John's, I went up there for summer school and just to get acclimated and get in a couple classes. Not that many people are around. Um, meet some of the guys on the team. Just pretty much get acclimated with the city and all that. It, I mean, being thousands of miles from home, too. So I was all nervous for that. So we get up there. I get put in a dorm with another JUCO guy, actually. You were in um, an on-campus dorm? Yep. So just for that summer, um, because only freshmen have to live in the dorms but during that time when we came up there it was uh all the summer classes going on and we couldn't find leases yet so they just threw us in the dorm for two months but i mean sharing a dorm with one other guy the bathroom down the hall i mean it wasn't wasn't Ooh, the worst community wasn't the best, bathrooms yeah community bathrooms so pretty much just showered the field the every soap. day <laughs> Jesus. but i mean i was overwhelmed the whole time i was there i was like this is this school's too big. There's too many people. Um, I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. And then, and then you know what he does? He goes out there and lets his nuts hang on the ball field. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I remember, I remember going home from all the summer stuff, and I was like, I was still overwhelmed. I was like, I don't know, I don't know if I can do this type thing. Like, I was nervous just to go back. Um, the coaching staff completely changed from when I committed to going into my junior year so that was also another thing um didn't know if the new coaches would like me if i would pitch at all because i ended up going to mizzou just to pitch be a po um so going into my junior year i was also super nervous i mean just trying to once again battle to find another spot on the team pretty much what now when you were at mizzou were you relieving starting uh so i mean i did it all i had i can go through that whole story too of how everything shook out so hit junior me. year what what was that oh no hit me i want to hear this thing i want to hear the story because right. unlike gage because i mean gage played a d1 but he didn't really play so i'm trying to get more insight of what it's like to be a division one college baseball player i played with myself <laughs> I, I played with myself on the bench quite often <laughs> but I, I never got i didn't get on the field too much but let's hear about your time on the field all right so junior year start out the season i think 
uh, I remember all the reports came in. They were like one of the top JUCO arms like coming in. So the coaches were really excited to work with me. And we had a pitching coach by the name of Patrick Hallmark, who's now the head coach at UTSA. And I just, I love this dude to death. I mean, he taught me spike curveball, which took a year of development him yelling at me a lot of times in a bullpen session to uh, get that thing down. But once so I finally figured that thing out for senior year, which helped a lot. But uh, junior year was a lot of inconsistencies. Um, started the year as the Sunday starter. Um, probably started three or four games and then lost the Sunday job. Just a lot of inconsistencies again. I think I was just trying to do too much. I mean, I'm at a big school now. Um, yeah, it's, it's a whole different I mean, field. Yeah, that's tough stuff. Field. Yeah, that, it's it's different. That's for sure. Yeah, so it's a lot different. Uh, the stage is a lot bigger. Your games are on ESPN and stuff. So it's just the nerves got to me a little bit. So I got moved to the weekday starter, which um, the midweek starter. So if anyone's at a D1 school, it's like you don't want to be the midweek starter because then you're not pitching in the meaningful games on the weekend. So. And especially as a junior and you're like, this is my draft year and I'm trying to do something and get out of here. You're really not going to get that exposure from midweek games. So right. I probably threw and probably started like five or six midweek games and would throw occasionally on the weekend out of the bullpen, maybe two innings max my junior year. So it wasn't the year that I planned for, not pitching wise, because I still put up really good numbers that year, but just facing the competition and not being one of those weekend guys like, I wouldn't say it got to me, but it put a chip on my shoulder because didn't get drafted that year and then came back. So I would say that year really, really put a fire under me and a chip on my shoulder for senior year. But you still didn't punch the mound again, so that's good. That's clear. No, but, no, no, but, no, no more mound punching. <laughs> but how was uh, how was like the fan base? Were like so when you if you went out there, how about adding like were they the type of fan base to, like get on you or were they always like on your back? How, how what? Like, because that's a whole different experience from St. John's where your parents and all the parents come out and watch and Juco to where you got true fans who come out and watch these games. Yeah, um, it's tough. I mean, some of the home fans will give it to you if you're not uh, not performing. I'm pretty sure it's like that everywhere. But, I mean, especially the uh, the road trips are where the fans got to us because, I mean, some of the SEC, the heated rivalries, um, some of the fans would really get, get at us. So That'll play a big part. Home field advantage oh, yeah. in college baseball. Let me tell you, I wouldn't mm-hmm. know, but I mean, uh, I would just assume. <laughs> yeah, the, the home field advantage at Coker consisted of we don't have to get on an eleven-hour bus ride oh, and, and get to the other get to the other field. It was but, so um, cool seeing our AD out there watching the game, <laughs> and that's it. The one guy in the stands is your AD. Well, you had to record um, the game. So, Andy, what about workouts, man? How did the workouts go? Like when you got there, how did junior college workouts prepare you for Mizzou workouts? Like, what was the schedule like? Was it morning lifts, evening lifts? Uh, so in junior college, um, I would lift only the day after a start just because and that's in all season? the other stuff. That's in season, yeah. This is in junior college too. So only the day after I started just because of all the, uh, the all the hitting and all the other stuff I was doing. So I had to give time to let the body get a break. So only lifted about one day a week, every five days. Or on JUCO, I probably pitched every six days. I don't even remember what it was. But once we got to Mizzou, it was a whole nother whole another ball game of the lifting world we lifted at 5 a.m 5 to 6 a.m Mon- monday through friday that's the no, first time we've heard that from a five days one. a week 5 a.m yep five days a week 5 a.m um monday wednesday fridays were lifts and then 
Tuesday, Thursdays were our conditioning running days, and those weren't easy too. Some days we were pushing the prowlers. Some days we were running the football stadium. You guys have an Omaha challenge? We did. And How it was, was that? It was we, not fun. No? Really? Mm-mm. Like, I if remember, you look back at it right now and go, you know what, that was like, I loved that, but I hated it at the time. Is it that kind of deal? Oh, absolutely. It's one of those team-building things, but at the same time, you're doing these obstacle courses and doing stuff as long as you can, and it's just like, oh, my gosh. Totally different than anything we did at JUCO. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that's a cool perspective, though. At least, you know, anybody that's looking into Mizzou or curious about Mizzou, they, they get an idea, like, your mornings aren't your mornings anymore. You're up early, butt crack of dawn, getting after it, getting in the weight room. So, after oh, yeah. that, um, what's the meal plan look like? So, are, are you guys on meal plans? Most of you guys on meal plans, do you normally cook at home? Like, how are you refueling after those 5 a.m. lifts? Refueling. Uh, so, after the lifts, um, the dining hall is in the same same building as the uh, weight room so we would just walk over there we uh, had a hand scanner and we would just scan in and everyone could get breakfast and then lunch was there and dinner was there also so it was like it was an athletic dining hall so we utilized that every day they had ping pong tables couches in there so it was more of like a hangout type thing but i mean I gotta ask. You can have them make anything you wanted in there. What was the name of it? Because we've had the bank where you don't get money, mm-hmm. but you actually get. What food. was the other one? I can't remember <laughs> what the other. The other one was something else. Too. It was. It was. It was, uh, weird. it was Kentucky's. It was something stupid. Yeah, it was something ridiculous. But what was the name of your? Uh, uh, we just called it. We just called it the Matsy because the, the building name was M A T C. It was a. Uh, it was like McCarter Athletic training center or something it was an acronym for something so we just okay. for short everyone just calls it the matchy so Mads but that building Mads. had everything it had the athletic dining hall it had the weight room right in the middle it had all the football stuff a couple locker rooms all the academic tutors study hall you name it it was basically the athletic building so everyone just calls it the matchy you said uh, you said study hall so what about study hall hours how um how many hours did you have your first year and then um, I don't know what your GPA was going into Mizzou, but how many hours did you have your first year versus like freshmen and uh, and the rest of the team? So I remember, I think the core number was eight hours. Everyone had to do eight hours unless your GPA was, I think, three, five or higher. And then you had four hours maybe. So no matter so, what, you're going to put some kind of hours into the study hall? Yeah, unless you were – Unless you were a senior, because my senior year, I remember I didn't have any hours. So I think if you had a three-five and you were a senior, you didn't have study hall. But most people, most people had tutors because the tutors would count as study hall hours. So gotcha. even if people didn't have study hall, they would still have the tutors um, help them with their work. So it was big, a really good system they had over there. How big were the coaches on on academics? Were they more just like be eligible, or were they like we want you to get that three-zero, that three-five? to to raise a, a team gpa i don't know i know that's not a big thing in in division one yeah. baseball but but how were they like with that uh to be surprised uh our team our coaches and all the staff we had they were big on big on team gpa and we tried to build on that uh semester to semester because i remember before i got there and they told us what the team gpa was i mean i don't even want to say it how bad it was and then after the fall of the new coaching staff um I think we raised the team GPA a lot, so they cared about our grades and people skipping class and all that. So we had class checkers out there daily trying to trying to catch you slipping. So, 
So they're not they're not easy on you over there at Mizzou. That's some tough stuff. You're up at five a.m. You make sure you're at class. You got eight hours of study hall. I mean, you're you're working a full time job if you're an ath- if you're a baseball player at Mizzou. Um, oh yeah, more than that. It's you're waking up at four thirty and you're not getting home till nine ten o'clock at night oh, and yeah, doing the same thing every single day in day out same thing every mm-hmm. day so what are practices like then if you got all that work outside of practice i know you have the like the individuals and stuff before real practice can get started but once that first day that you're allowed to get on a yard as a team what are those practices like is it all team oriented stuff or are you guys split up pitchers and hitters or, or what's that like uh from what i remember most of the stuff was team stuff i mean we do team pfps we had a thousand bump plays we'd run through most days um and then the hitters would hit we would shag and then some of the pitchers would do bullpens and all that but most of the stuff i can remember everything was team oriented that's that's different i feel like than most schools they i mean things get team oriented but it becomes a lot about individuals and and you know trying to work with certain guys like for you for instance they were they were happy to have you coming in but i kind of want to go to game day uh your first day junior year um, coming up, uh, I would say your first start. Like, what what is that feeling for you? Uh, how much nerves were flowing through you? Um, and and how did you do during that game? Yeah, so I think we actually opened the season down in Fort Myers, so it was actually good to uh, be back in the home state to open up open up the year, open were up the you, season. Were you playing FGCU? Uh, no, we were playing. Was it like a little? I think it was like a round robin tournament thing, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a couple different was schools when, there. I think Ole Miss was at that. No, because that's conference. Yeah, I don't think that. Anyway, it don't matter. So let let's hear how it was um, that first game. So we're down in Fort Myers. I remember I was throwing the third game, so I had to sit around two days before, which was good because I got a got the feel of like what D one baseball was in a sense, even though we weren't in a huge stadium or anything. Just I mean, wearing Nike jerseys for the first time, the whole field. It's just like you're nerve wracking yeah, going out there. Not uh, not JUCO Speedline anymore. You're actually going <laughs> to Nike stuff. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> you're not the <laughs> Don't knock the JUCO but, uh, bandits. Going out there, I just remember full of nerves. Um, still felt like a out of body experience. Had no feel for pretty much anything but a fastball, which was pretty much how the whole year went junior year. So, I mean, it was a it was a big learning experience for me that pretty much that whole year um, was very inconsistent, which was not who I was leading up to that point. Um, I'd say in Juco, I could hit any spot I wanted to. And then I got to Mizzou and became very inconsistent over the first year. So that first start did not go how I wanted to. So walk us through the mindset of being the best. So it, it's a lot of kids are the best in high school. Then they get to their next college place and they're not the best. So they've got to adjust to that. It was a little bit different for you. You were probably one of your better guys in high school. Actually, maybe not with the team that you had. You guys were stacked, but one of the better guys in high school. Then you go Juco. You're one of the better guys you in Juco. You're one of the starters. And no. You just told me sucked, basically. No, I, said, <laughs> I think I said his high school team was really good. He did. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, you know what I'm saying. Anyways, so you go JUCO, and you're one of the better players there, and now you're at Mizzou, and then you hit that adversity. You hit that that tough, rough patch. Um, how did you climb out of that and and get back to where you wanted to be? Yeah, it was probably yeah the first time I hit adversity, adversity probably my whole career playing, and uh, I just remember I would go back to my apartment 
and I would just be sitting there and I'd be like, what do I have to do to get over this hump? And I was like, I just started watching videos again from Juco and just thinking about what I was doing there and how I would prepare each game. And, and then basically I wasn't thinking I was the best when I was going out there. I was just trying, trying to get through the game. So the mentality switched when I started saying again, I am the best because now I'm facing all these hitters where I see them on watching the years before. I'm watching these guys on ESPN and College World Series, and then 12 months later, I'm pitching against them. So it's just like it's surreal at first, but then you're just like you have to sit down and think to yourself, I'm just I'm just another guy out here. I'm better than he is, and that's all it took for me. I love that. And that's what's different, I think. That's what kind of – I'll say it, but like the whole purpose of this – this podcast is because like these high school guys who want to play college need to understand like it's not just how good you are it's like the mental preparation like like Andy's going through to to get back over the hump to be a amazing starter and reliever for Mizzou to go play pro ball so there's so much more to 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 the baseball game than just being on the field and going to practice and lifting like it happens when you're at home by yourself all the time and it's just I thought that was just a good explanation of like of of how you got to where you are because of what you did off the field and away from the coaches and away from the team and just being by yourself. Yeah. That's what I was going to say next. I mean, everyone, everyone sees what, I mean, everyone just thinks baseball is a nine inning game and one team throws and one team hits and the guys field it. But I mean, the work that people are putting in behind the scenes, I mean, nutrition, sleep, tutors, uh, the mental aspect of the game. I mean, there's so much more than what people actually see. Yeah. from a day-to-day basis absolutely i love that can you get our guy to write that down that quote right there that you just said people our, think get our, our guy to write that down we have a guy yeah you know our guy you know what i'm talking about who's our, our guy? guy the guy hey producer there you go now we're talking <laughs> get him on. Uh, no so uh i want to ask run us through what it's what it's uh what the difference is from um starting a non-conference to to playing in those conference games because those that's when it gets serious especially in the sec being one of the top conferences or the top conference in, in not ACC gauge one of um, in college <laughs> baseball. So take us what it's like to to throw in one of those games and how much more is on the line for that. Uh, like the difference between non-conference games between conference games. Yeah, yeah. Basically, just like I guess more of the mentality because things change because that's when it starts to matter. That's when the record really starts to count in conference. Um, yeah. Like so I remember. So junior year we. We lost the first game of the season with our first rounder on the mound, so we were all like, "Well, are we even? Are we going to win a game?" Yeah. Like we just, we just threw our first rounder, and this this team that's not in, I can't even say what conference they're in. I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> they beat us on opening night, and we're just all sitting there in the hotel afterwards, and we're like, "Are we going to win a game?" And <laughs> we ended up we ended up rolling twenty one games in a row, won every non conference game, and then swept Alabama to open conference. So we won. That is insane. 21 so we in won, a row. Yeah, I think it was the nation's largest streak that year. So wow. rolled off 21 in a row and then went into conference, still hot, swept Alabama on the road. And then, I mean, everyone's goal in the SEC for conferences to go 15 and 15. There's never been a 500 team not get into a regional. So um, that year we were, we had a lot of talent that year, I'd say. And uh, I mean, stuff didn't work out. We, lost to some teams we were supposed to be um beat ourselves in a lot of games i think we ended up finishing 14 and 16 so one game short of that 500 record and ended up not getting in the regional but 
It's crazy how quick it can happen, though. Like one game, Unreal. one game out of what you guys play fifty six, thirty. Yeah, 30, well, 30 conference, thirty conference games. Yeah, it, it's nuts. It's it crazy. Go, it comes down to one. It comes down to one game after a whole one season. It's game. insane. So yeah. let's uh, let's transition now. You've played your college career, done a, a darn good job. Um, let's talk about the transition to Pro Bowl now. So you uh, ended up drafted in the was it the nineteenth? Is that right? Nineteenth. Yep. Nineteenth round by the Diamondbacks. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the transition. Uh, what's the differences that you're seeing in pro ball versus um, college ball? Like, what kind of dude do you have to be now versus the one you're in college ball? Like, what's the what's the difference? Uh, I mean, it's a huge transition because I mean, now you're playing with you're playing with the world now. I mean, you're playing with people from the Dominican Republic. I mean, just all over the world. So, I mean, I mean, learning learning how to deal with other people of different um languages and all that is a huge barrier to get over one i mean and again that nerve factor comes in when you first get there but i mean again you just have to say to yourself i'm the best person here i mean even though in reality you're probably not but to get to get through pro Bowl, i think you have to have that mentality of i am the best one out here back to it back to that yep that fu mentality it's just it happens everywhere you go especially pro ball it's it's a crazy ride and and so when you got drafted, where, did you get sent to short season or rookie ball? Yep. Uh, well, I played for both of our short season teams. I played majority of the first year in, uh, in rookie ball, which is in Missoula, Montana, which was an awesome place. Um, never being out to the West Coast before like that. So Honestly, played a little bit there. Minor league teams in Montana. Yeah. So played, played a little bit there, played a little bit in Oregon and got to go up to Canada the first year, which was really cool. So. So first year went really well. So being in pro ball, what what's the difference like with the amount of games, the travel, the hotel to hotel, the living? Kind of take us through a, a quick rundown of of the pro ball experience of minor league. Yeah, and real quick, do you think that sure. Mizzou? Ask another question. Do you think care. well? I want to gear this thing toward colleges. Swids doesn't have a direction Sorry, I for like, this thing. I like the pro. Here's ball. what I'm going to ask: Is do you think that going to Mizzou helped prepare you for? Um, that minor league grind that you had yeah absolutely i'd say the i'd say just the path in general i went on prepared me for what the minor leagues is because starting off in high school you're figuring who who you are and then junior college you're still doing that and then d1 and then pro ball so i think it was just i went step by step instead of some guys going high school d1 pro ball it's kind of like skipping a step in my sense but i think from walking the ladder that i went on um really prepared me for what pro ball was because i mean now we're getting into i mean 10 hour bus rides and this past year was first full season played 140 games so um i mean nothing nothing's going to prepare you for your first year like your first year actually is but um after going through that now i know what to be ready for for next year but um i'd say the steps that i took on my journey definitely got me prepared for a season now in pro ball no doubt. And how individualized is it now? I mean, we're sitting out here at a minor league park watching guys run, um, two guys by themselves running some poles. How individualized <laughs> has this become where you're like, I got to get my work in because now this is on me to further my career. Um, where, where are you at with that? Yeah. Um, I mean, once the season ends, it's crazy. I mean, the last day of the season, um, you get your flight itinerary to go home and then 
you're home the next day and then you won't see the field again till spring training and everything you do between that last game and the start of spring training is on you so you have to make sure you're prepared to go into spring training you i mean you got to be prepared conditioning wise arm wise so i mean all the throwing all the lifting and all the running is uh i mean it is all individualized so it's good where i live here in uh, jacksonville that there's a lot of pro guys around me that we all do our stuff together so it helps out a lot love it do you have like a facility that you're working out at in jacksonville uh so i'll actually just i'll throw just at my local high school and then like bullpen days and stuff i'll just go down to st john's and do all my stuff at the junior college gotcha yeah, look that, at that st awesome. john's still coming in clutch yep oh yeah old juco old faithful um never never give up the juco band that's, that's <laughs> right let me regress a little bit what was the favorite ballpark that you played at while in college oh um old miss Ole Miss was really nice. Unfortunately, the weekend we played there, it was raining, so the, the fans didn't there. really the fans yeah. didn't really show how they usually do there. But um, Alabama's new stadium was really nice. They got the uh, damn flickering lights when you yeah. hit a home run. That's yeah, they, yeah. How about LSU? Uh, oh yeah, that was that was my last Sunday start senior year. That <laughs> place was absolutely it was opening hell. opening weekend of conference play, and there wasn't a empty seat in that place and it was loud yeah when we went there uh for supers it was the loudest stadium i had ever been in like i'm talking like i've been to you know nfl football games or nba basketball games and that stadium was the loudest stadium i have ever been in. imagine what it would have been in like if you played imagine what it would have been like <laughs> on the mound it's hard to i think it was worse being in the dugout because we had one guy in particular that would just sit there and yell at you and yeah, yeah, names. it's a guy in like a yellow shirt. Was it, just wasn't it the guy right who made the like corner. the rattling sound right the and they made him he, stop? Yeah, yeah. Our our guy got so it, like the uh, the NCAA was there because it was supers. So like they told him he could he had to stop, and he's like, "Where are the rules? Where are the rules that say I can't talk to these guys?" And I like, start throwing like, bubble gum at him. Yeah, or some the lady's shit. like, "Dude, you can't say the stuff you're saying. Like you're talking about their moms. You can't do that." And he's like, "Where are the rules? Where are the rules?" He ended up getting kicked out. Like they're like, "Dude, you got to leave." So they kicked him out in the middle of supers. Yeah, that's probably why they lost. Uh, yeah, that's why. Uh, that is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was awesome. Or they just because they didn't throw Gage Hutchinson. That's that's, that's why we won is because we yeah. didn't throw Gage Hutchinson. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So finally, what we try to do when we when we end our episodes, we ask the same couple questions to get a feel for every guy. Um, first is so, what is it like in, in being an alumni of of Missouri? Um, are they still welcoming of you there? Do you go back there? Like, how does it feel to be an alumni of of that school? Uh, I mean, it's awesome. I think it's something I'll appreciate more down the road playing and if not one of the best uh, baseball conferences out there. So um, I absolutely loved it. Um, I, I will go back. I continue to go back. I actually went back for homecoming this year. So, um, I mean, every chance I get to go back up there is definitely something I'll take advantage of. Sure. So if you could, if you could go back and do it all over again, you go back to high school, you go back to JUCO, wherever you want to go back to. If you could go back and do it over again, would you change anything? Would you, would you maybe work on something else? Would you maybe work out earlier? Like, is there anything that you would change at the beginning of your career uh, if you could go back? Uh, honestly, there's not one thing I would change just because of the path that I've been on and playing with the chip on my shoulder ever pretty much ever since high school and then continuing to this day playing with the chip on my shoulder um going from juco to d1 and then being signed as a senior which nobody wants um 
So all I needed was an opportunity, and I got that opportunity. So I'm going to always have that chip on my shoulder. So I would not change anything that happened along my journey. Right. I think that's big. That's just so big time, man. If anybody, you know, if you're listening to Andy's story, which I think you should take away from his story, is you got to find what motivates you, what gets you out of bed in the morning, and take that to the ball field. Like, you had that chip on your shoulder of nobody thinks I'm as good as I should be. Nobody thinks I'm good as I am. Like, you have that chip on your shoulder where you go out and you outperform everybody because you want to prove people wrong. And I think Absolutely. I think somebody somebody somewhere has to take that from your story is I need to figure out what it is that motivates me. Is it I, I want to make a lot of money or is it I want to prove everybody wrong? Like find what it is and go do it. Absolutely. Yeah, we had the at uh, at Mizzou we actually did a we did a project throughout the year. It was what is your why? So all love of us that. had to come up. All of that's us had to come Eric up with Thomas a why. That that's is an Eric awesome. Thomas. I love yeah, that. Our guy. coaches, our coaches were big on all that stuff. So you did I that mean, as a team. You had to figure out your we why. We did as a team. That is each, awesome. Each person, each person, each staff, um, each coach, um, everyone had to come up with their why and present it in front of the team. And I mean, I mean, it's tough. To, so, I mean, some people are up there crying, and I mean, it is tough. Um, some people's whys are completely different than others. But I mean, it is. It's what you wake up every day and what motivates you to. Uh, do what you do every day a great quote for andy to have i feel like like is what he's trying to sum up is do today what others won't so tomorrow you could do what others can't is having that mentality of knowing what you need to do and what you want to accomplish because other people aren't going to do what the hell you need to do to be the best you can be exactly boom yep i like that i like that a lot if anybody's curious what motivates swiderski um, he's it's still, he's actually still not allowed to ride roller coasters <laughs> at the theme parks and that's really getting into him. So he's been working hard trying to gain those extra couple inches, um, and get bigger. But anyway, man, I can't even like, the thing is I can't even say anything back besides like your knees and that you played for Mike Martin, but you didn't that's really play. Got. Like that's all I got. That's all you got. Point, so, <laughs> but so kind of our, our final last question, I mean, I feel like it just got kind of answered, but if you had any advice to give to, to high school athletes who are trying to pursue college baseball um, and just trying to pursue life and, and go at it the best way possible, what, what advice would you give them? Uh, yeah, I got a couple points on that. I would, first, I would say don't let the game be tougher than it already is. I mean, the game the game will speed up on you at all levels, but especially in high school, when especially if you're trying to get recruited in that aspect. Um, I mean, we all know if you hit if you hit three – if you get three hits out of 10, you're a hall of famer. I mean, in high school, you shouldn't be chasing getting out every time. And you're yelling at yourself in the dugout. I mean, just don't let the game be tougher than it is. Those at Coker. God, (laughs) it never ends. Yeah. So, uh, another point I would say is, I mean, you don't have to chase that, that D one title. Like I was saying earlier, I mean, every person has their own path. There's people that I played with that come from smaller schools than even I came. I mean, in a, in AIA schools, free agent signs. I mean, everyone has their own past and everyone thinks in high school, especially from this area, oh, I have to go to Florida. I have to go to Florida State. And It's being realistic is, with yourself. That's what you don't. Is. And yeah, absolutely. Be realistic with yourself and where go to a place where you see yourself making an impact right away um, is what I would say. And then uh, I'd say once a high school kid commits to a school, to remember that there's always someone chasing after you and always someone that wants to take that jersey off your back so you can't stop once you commit to a school you always have to keep going beautiful i love it man well andy listen buddy that was awesome i really enjoyed it thank you so much for coming on and 
talking and kind of giving your story. Um, I, we had an awesome time. Throw your uh, Instagram and Twitter handles at everybody. Uh, so Instagram is just at Andy Tolkien, all lowercase, um, T-O-E-L-K-E-N. And then Twitter is at Andy Tolkien 13. Big Love one it. three. Yeah, there big you go. The three. big one three. Man, we wish you the best in your pro career and uh, look forward to having you on again. Maybe next time you'll be a big leaguer and uh, we can get you on and, and we'll talk a little bit about the uh, road to the show. Yeah, absolutely. I had a pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me out. Absolutely, Andy, man. Nice talking to you. See you, buddy. See ya. And that's it for this episode of the Rally Cap No S podcast. No. <laughs> um, we had Andy Tolkien on. What an awesome dude. What a cool story. Kind of unique. Uh, not extremely the, unique. Yeah, I wouldn't even say kind. I would say extremely I, unique. Awesome dude. Um, goes from not the best player on his absolutely loaded high school team to then one of the better ones at his JUCO. Back to not the greatest at his D- D1 SEC Mizzou, not his junior year and then right mm-hmm. not the greatest and then turns around and gets drafted in the 19th round now he's playing some pro ball and doing really well he let it hang at mizzou and it was just awesome yep. to hear that experience and and for him to talk about it with us is just it's, it's awesome i think the biggest thing was his mindset how he goes about the game how he approaches being better than the next guy you know what is just as big as his mindset what's that our new promo, that's code. The promo code and that's that's what that's what this is all about this is all about improving yourself just like deviate existences rally cap no s no s the The, it's the rally cap don't mess up the promo code here don't mess it up it's t-h-e-r-a-l-l-y-c-a-p the number one and the number five love it that is the rally cap 15 promo code so get on there help us out Go put that code in there, get you some money off your order, and then you get some cool gear out of it. Yeah, and I just want to refer back to that transition into the promo code was electric. Love it. Anyways, so once again, loved having Andy on there. He was awesome, and we wish him the best in his pro career.